0: Hello and welcome to the latest Campaign podcast. I'm Claire Beale, and I've got with me this afternoon two of my colleagues from Campaign, Gideon Spanier and Simon Gwyn. And we're going to be talking yet again about Sir Martin Sorrell. We're actually recording this podcast the day of the WPP AGM, which has been a pretty explosive, much anticipated event because it's the first the first meeting of shareholders since son martin quit the company that he spent the last three decades building Um, he left on the 14th of april and today robert quarter the the chairman and the rest of the board stood up and faced the shareholders plenty of questions um, and a really interesting explosive atmosphere i just want to ask Gideon and Simon, to tell us a little bit about what it felt like being in the room today. I know, Gideon, you've done quite a few WPP AGMs, and Simon, you've done lots of AGMs, but this is your first WPP one, really. Tell us what it was like being there.
1: Well, it was held in uh, just a, uh, actually, musical, the Purcell Room in the Southbank Centre by the River Thames, and uh, there were probably... 200 people packed into this rather cramped room and on the stage you get the directors who line up which they do every year the big change is there was no martin sorrell and martin sorrell would often hold court with a couple of hand-picked executives for an hour doing his sort of tour of not just the advertising landscape but the whole global economy uh they cut the chase this year because for one thing there's not only no martin sorrell there's no ceo and was quite clear that they needed to address the fact that Sorrell abruptly departed. Uh, I'd actually say the mood was surprisingly buoyant. Amongst the WPP leadership, they knew in advance that they had enough shares, that the chairman, Roberto Corta was going to keep his job, that although there was going to be a protest against the remuneration, uh, specifically a, a potential £20 million payoff for Martin Sorrell and shares, that that was going to pass as well. In other words, however many people were upset, It wasn't going to be a majority. A lot of the shareholders are quite elderly (laughs) and come from the home counties. And they did ask some difficult questions. But from the start, the chairman took it on as he had to, given that some allegations in the Wall Street Journal and the Financial Times have uh, been pretty awkward for Sorrell, claims about the exact nature of the misconduct. And one of the shareholders congratulated, if that's the right word, the chairman for dealing with the elephant in the room from the start. And I, I would say there was an elephant-sized hole in the room yeah. without Sorrel there. But uh, the truth is that the there was a sense that this is a company that was perhaps relieved that this very, very dominant man had moved on. And I'm not sure I detected that much anger in the room. I know you described it as explosive. It, it was it was definitely a lot of excitement. There were many more journalists than a year ago, for example. Yeah. So, Simon, what was your sense of it?
2: Mm, well, uh, yeah, as you say, it's the first time I've been to a, a WPPAGM, and um, I think on the explosiveness front, I was probably a, a little disappointed. Oh um, no,
0: you're expecting more it, well, fireworks. Well, yes,
2: it's it certainly, the, the, they have a reputation for, for, for uh, fireworks, um, uh, but it became apparent that, that much of that was down to the presence of, of uh, the, the man himself. Um, uh, and um, yeah, I think that the way Gideon described it was was um, was was pretty accurate. Um, uh, what's interesting is that, um, that there was certainly some um, some anger at the, at the way that things have unfolded with um, Martin Sorrell's uh, pay and the, the benefits he's still standing to pick up. Um, but um, I think there was also still a lot of loyalty there for for um, Sir Martin. Um, and um, I spoke to uh, you know a few shareholders who. Um, who, uh, despite the the revelations that have come out in in the the Financial Times uh, this week uh, about, um, or the allegations rather, about about his um, personal behaviour, they just re-emphasised these shareholders to me that, you know, Sorrell had built the company and that if it wasn't for the work that he'd put in, none of these people would would be there. And I think there was a sense um, from some shareholders that that he'd been perhaps not treated unfairly, but, but not treated with the the respect that he
0: deserves yeah one of one of the shareholders did say he he felt it disappointing that that quarter uh, hadn't paid tribute to the work that mm-hmm. Sir martin has done to build the company up but simon obviously the, the whole thing lacked a bit of the the sort of razzle dazzle but um just to put put the razzle dazzle into context talk us through what's come out about um the reasons for for him leaving the The Nationals have been having a bit of a a feast over the last few days at at his expense, haven't they? talk us through the sorts of stories that that we've been reading.
2: Yeah, so it's probably fair to say that he's he's had better weeks. Um, At the weekend, a story emerged that um, uh, Martin Sorrell had used company funds to pay a prostitute, Um, and then on Monday there was a big story in the Financial Times uh, with quite... Um, broad allegations about his personal behavior which suggested that he'd, um, he'd he'd bullied his staff over the years and he'd been, been cruel to people. Um, uh, he'd also been uh, reported to have been seen going into a, a brothel in Mayfair and this is um, a picture of, of his manner with people kind of going back ac- across his en- entire career um,
0: and he fi- he fired a, a loyal and a quite popular chauffeur as well. We yeah, that, didn't exactly, he? under it's... very
2: unpleasant circumstances, by by the sounds of it. Yeah. Um, uh, we do need to, to uh, stress that um, all these things are, are allegations, and Martin um, uh, Sorrells continued to to um, you know uh, utterly uh, d- deny all of these. Um, but uh, yeah, he's um, the picture that's emerged of him is, is not particularly pleasant, um, given that he's in the process of trying to get a new company off the ground, you know, you wonder what his prospects will be for, for getting potential clients to, to work with him.
0: Well, he's he's not known for his lack of hutzpah, so um, we will see whether he turns up a can next week and um, and carries on as normal, or, or whether he decides to, to take a break in the light of that. What would you predict, Gideon?
1: Well. Actually, the issue of no non compete, which is something that has excised a lot of people, the fact that Sorrell had no, was free to set his own business up the day after he left, unlike so many WPP staff, especially senior leaders who are held to extremely long non competes. That did come up at the AGM and, uh, and afterwards in questions with the chairman. And Roberto Corta said, quoting Sorrell himself that uh, he recently said that this new company S4 Capital was likely to be like a peanut compared to WPP and to be fair S4 Capital is probably got up 200 million quid at its uh, potential um, you know for potential use compared to WPP worth 15 16 billion pounds so Coulter said in addition that Sorrell's previous employment contract means that he wouldn't be able to do anything which would, uh, how can I put it, undermine WPP mm. directly. And he it appeared to say that the fact he had no non compete wasn't going to be a problem. Now, the votes, I should say, the significant votes at the AGM were 27% voted against the remuneration report and 15.5% against the chairman. So what that, why the remuneration report uh, is significant is that people who are unhappy about the lack of non-compete use that vote, um, because that's linked to the £20 million worth of shares that Sorrells potentially entitled to. So there was definitely some uh, anger about it, but not a huge amount, because otherwise there would have been a bigger protest. And going forward, I think Sorrell will have some probably awkward days ahead. Uh, He was due to speak publicly earlier this week and uh, pulled out of that event because of the media coverage. He's very tough, and some of the investors I've spoken to, actually not at the AGM, but people over the last few days, seem to think that uh, issues around around personal conduct are unlikely to affect his prospects of raising money. Martin Sorrell is not to be underestimated. Still, I come back to this point. I think that the mood today was not one of regret. I mean, Simon is absolutely right to pick up on this sense that some people thought that the company should have given him a, a better send off. Yeah,
0: um, but, but there let's was face it—a round of applause, wasn't there? Yeah. A, a muted round of applause.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, so it's—I uh, think what possibly the, alleg- the allegations that have aired in the Financial Times and the Wall Street Journal have done is probably made people realise that Sorrell has a way to go to rebuild his reputation. He can't just pick up where he left off. It's going to be tough in the short term.
0: It was a nice quote, wasn't there? This idea of him, uh, his new company, um, S4 Capital, being a peanut. And somebody was talking about uh, a peanut being... Well, you, you say the quote. Well, one mean... of the shareholders
1: said, <laughs> it's all very well you saying it's going to be a peanut, but let's hope it not, doesn't get too big to... Uh, sort of flick or hurt the hide of the WPP elephant. It was uh, Rump. Actually, Rump, sorry. Rump, yes. Rump. <laughs> the there Rump we go, the yes.
0: It was uh, just just talking about the, the terms of his departure, um, because pay has, has been something, his remuneration package has been something that's exercised shareholders for for quite a few years now. Um, it did come up that uh, potentially the incoming CEO, when, uh, when they found one, could have a... a bonus package that could be eight times their basic pay, which seems to draw draw in, an intake of breath from some of the audience.
1: Too high, I heard one shareholder <laughs> say. Um, they were, so, yes, I mean, let's face it, CEOs of large multinational companies, this is a very large company with over 100,000 staff, um, do, they do have big bonus schemes and they're meant to be a stretch unless when Sorrell was getting 70 million quid, as he did in 2015, or 48 million in 2016, it was because all these long-term share awards were paying out. But nonetheless, it was obviously well-documented that, that the scheme was, you might describe it as, generous. One, another shareholder said uh, that it was obscene, the sort of, if you like, almost uncapped bonuses that Sorrell could get. I think there was absolutely a sense that WPP is trying, as it needs to, to start a new era. And Mark Reed, who is the Joint Chief Operating Officer, came on stage and he was identifying new ways the company needs to behave. And one of them was a more inclusive culture, which, uh, without WPP commenting on any claims of bullying, mm. was clearly a message there. And I think the new leader of the group uh, is... is I think they will pay won't be an issue if they can get the company growing again.
0: Yeah, just, just to pick up on that idea of um, uh, a new culture at the company. Mark Reid did send a letter out to staff earlier this week um, talking about the need for, for respect. And I think there is, um, obviously in the wake of some of the allegations about uh, bullying and mistreatment of staff, WPP's tried to move really quickly to draw a line under that. And it's, it's stressed... Um, this this right to speak helpline that apparently it's had for the last uh, well 10 15 years I think um, but they clearly uh, are trying to to address that as an issue and and move on from that how do you think Mark Reid actually did perform because he was called upon to to talk about um, a new vision for WPP um, and he obviously his name has been linked potentially with the CEO job um, Simon, I'm going to ask you first, did, how did Mark really come across today?
2: I think he came across as likeable and human, which are probably good qualities to, to start with. Um, he did outline uh, a vision for the future of WPP and he, he gave us um, uh, five areas that they'll be focusing on, um, Gideon you may remember what those, those were, uh, I don't, they're not on the, the, um, the front of my mind, but um, he didn't go into huge amounts of, of, uh, of detail um, and I think there's certainly a, a huge task ahead for him or whoever it is that, that does lead the company. Um, one thing I would say about him is that he certainly didn't have the palpable enthusiasm that, that you know, Martin Sorrell always led the company with. Um, so if he does end up um, succeeding him, then uh, it would be a very different style of leadership. That's my impression.
0: Yeah, so he, he did talk about uh, um, a renewed focus on making sure clients are happy and the, com- the whole company being more client-centric. And he, he moved quickly, didn't he, to reassure shareholders that um, he'd been talking to WPP clients and had um, had reassurances that, that they were happy with the service they were getting from The individual WPP divisions and um, he said they're looking at further investments in data and technology, simplifying the structure. There was a sense that shareholders were were happy with the the direction that he suggested the company is moving in. There was a talk about the move away from horizontality which is very much a a soulism.
1: Yes and one of the shareholders said, can you explain what you're going to replace this with your jettisoning horizon, jettisoning horizontality. And uh, both Qua and Reed did uh, address that in a, without really properly answering it in my opinion, which was to say, we've got to be more client-centric, we've got to collaborate more. and uh, these are things that have a simpler structure. Well, I have to be honest, we all know it in the advertising business. Winning new clients who, and operating in a new way with them will be key. And if they can win some new clients, as, for example, Publicist Group has done, and then they can build a new model around them, I think it's very difficult to instantly provide a makeover, especially when Reed and Andrew Scott haven't, been, haven't got a clear long-term mandate. It, there was, I, was, I was struck by a phrase that Mark Reed used. He said, we start the future with tremendous strengths. And it, it really feels like we're at sort of week eight or whatever it is since mm-hmm. Sorrell's gone. We start the future. I mean, this is a company in need of our colossal reset. Now, it's really interesting whether Mark Reed personally has the qualities to do this. He's done quite well with Wonderman, and it's been well discussed. He—it was not an easy situation. This I can tell you that privately, the WPP were, were worried the situation was going to be. Tenser, uh, that there were going to be harder questions, and therefore I think they were a little bit all on edge, to yeah, be honest. Quarter yeah. himself, his body language was very open. When he talked to the media afterwards, he was very open. He didn't have his arms folded, you know, as if he was. So, Quarter uh, himself, as chairman, it feels like uh, someone who has survived, and the truth is, he's won against Sorrel. Yeah. And now. He says, Cortes, the man leading the search, it's well advanced. He, he's not going to have an answer this month, he says. Um, well, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a real challenge because he talked about some of the things that um, the new CEO needs to be. And one of the things he said, and this struck me, was it need, needs to be great with clients. Yeah. Now, that reduces the potential pool a lot because that does not mean some private equity expert. He was again saying, you know, break up the company, do not think that's going to happen now. You can break anything up if you want to, you can say one thing. But my point is, is that that suggests they need someone who's very um, uh, people friendly. And uh, Mark Reed could tick that box. It's certainly, uh, he's, he's been the public face of the company, which is why Andrew Scott didn't say anything and didn't appear on stage.
0: He, uh, was quarter, he, he did outline the key criteria for the CEO, didn't he? So he talked about strong leadership, of all, all pretty obvious stuff, strong leadership with proven track record, global management experience, tech savvy, vision for the future. But then he did say knowledge of, of our industry mm-hmm. from different perspectives. So he, he seemed to imply very heavily that they were looking for somebody already within, within our sphere. Yeah I think
1: so. I mean it's interesting because this obviously didn't come up in the discussion because it's so speculative but for them to be able to get an outsider in I think it's going to be hard to get it from a rival agency group because everyone else has very strict non-competes apart from Martin Sorrell. Um, But I, I could imagine if someone came out of a brand or a media owner um, just, or tech company, uh, and the tech savvy they have talked about before, but yeah, that's a big clue. And just one other thing, when Mark Reed was talking about important businesses in the WPP family, he said, uh, perhaps not surprisingly, uh, Wonderman and VML, which he looks after, and AKQA in essence, these are all pretty digital businesses. And I can tell you, JWT, Ogilvy, these kind of names were not, I'm not sure they were name-checked once um uh, on screen they were, I think
0: yeah but, I think he did he did he did not name check Ogilvy, I think but he did' name check and, and yeah. JWT, but but they felt like um second tier of of importance
1: they don't sound part of the future, oh sorry, that's too strong, they don't seem like they're at the forefront forefront of the future
0: it's um it's interesting, isn't it that uh the whatever so plans with um s four the peanut may actually be the stuff that WPP should be building, um, you wouldn't. If it's if it's week eight for Mark Reed, you kind of wouldn't necessarily start from here if you're building the holding company of the future, would you? Um, what What do you think comes next after this? Uh, obviously, the, the the CEO announcement and and quarter did suggest that was very much well underway. Um, can we expect, they talked about some disposals, what can we expect next? What's your prediction?
1: Well, I can go first and say they absolutely are going to sell things off. Um, the finance director, Paul Richardson, talked about that. They've got over a billion pounds worth of minority interests in businesses in which they have somewhere between naught and 19%, I think. And um, businesses like Vice Media, then... They have um, larger stakes in businesses like Chime and the And Partnership, which are worth another one billion pounds plus. They need to sell some of this off to reduce the debt. Uh, They've said it explicitly, they need to reduce the debt Mm -hmm. and um, uh, to sort of keep up the dividend payouts. So that's one thing. They did provide a brief trading update, which said that growth was marginally up in the first four months of the year. So marginally up meant that that's the revenues less sort of production and pass-through costs um, that's still flat that's not a growing business so that's a challenge there the the sh- short-term future is that this business needs desperately to win new business to stop the narrative being it's going sideways it's defending a lot of business which is always tough and it feels like even a and they successfully defend something they don't get much credit for it
0: Simon did you um, when you were talking to the shareholders afterwards did you get any sense for what they would like to see now
2: um, yes so uh, I think there was uh, you know there was some acceptance that um, disposals would would be necessary um, um, but I didn't detect huge amounts of confidence in the board to uh, to guarantee a bright future for WPP to be honest. Um, Some some shareholders were were openly hostile to them and and, uh, blamed the boards more than uh, than Sorrel for leading the company in the wrong direction um, in the last couple of years Um, and um, others I think felt cast adrift in the, uh, the world that advertising and media and so on is, is going into uh, it's worth remembering that most of the shareholders we met at the meeting were retired um, because it was in the middle of the day um, and i do wonder if um, uh, some of the, the the company's younger shareholders might might have a different view and then also might have a different outlook on the, the significance of um, the accusations against uh, martin sorrell um, it'll be very interesting to see what they um, uh, what what well, they do decide to uh, to get rid of, um, it, there's obviously been suggestions they'll be looking to sell uh, companies like Cantar, and in fact, S Four Capital has been linked with you know possibly making a bid to that. I wouldn't be surprised if um, S Four does uh, you know um, jump in and, and, and try and pick up some of uh, some of WVP's assets. Um, but I think uh, there could be a, a huge number of outcomes really.
0: Okay. Well, we wait to see whether Marshall Hall is going to turn up in Cannes next week. Um, He certainly is going to be a name on plenty of people's lips out there. Um, We wait to see what S4 Capital is going to do. And uh, the next big news, I suppose, is going to be who is going to be taking on this this WPP challenge. Um, We've got several more podcast material in all of that, haven't we? Thank you both so much and uh, we will be here again next week from, from Cannes. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you.